and welcome to the Next Gen Enterprise Podcast Series, brought to you by Hollow Spirit. My name is Anna Nienke, and in this podcast series, I will talk to all those who are doing the future of work. These pioneers and experts will share their successes, their best practices, but also their failures and any interesting lessons they've learned. So we hope this podcast will be an inspiration to all those on their journey towards a new way of working. Also, don't forget to mark your calendar for March 26th and 27th of 2020 and book yourself a ticket to Paris because we'd love to see you at the Next Gen Enterprise Summit organized by Maeve, Manpower, Octo Technology and Hollow Spirit. Visit thenextgenenterprise.com for more information and tickets and I hope to meet you there. Thanks for tuning in today and um, yeah, let's get started with today's guest. I'm here today with Martin de Heer, who is CEO of NL Mental Care Group. And why are we talking about Mental Care Group? Because they are successfully running Holacracy in an organization with a thousand people across 110 locations in the Netherlands. I'm very curious to learn more about this. But first, Martin, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> CEO of NL Mental Care Group is what it says on your LinkedIn profile, but um, you're also running Holacracy. <laughs> Yeah, actually, um, I'm a lead link of the mental care group circle. And the outside world, not a lot of people know what a lead link is or what he does. So that's why I still use the title of CEO, which for the board of um, uh, commissioners uh, and stockholders, I'm, I'm still the CEO. Mm. Yeah, But internally? But, but in, internally, no, I'm, I'm the lead link. Yeah, And some other roles, of course, in, in sales or a role has to do with vision on the company or uh, a lot of roles. Right. Yeah. No longer internal CEO, but uh, many different roles. So that changes a little bit when you run with Holacracy. Yeah, um, so when we're, we're working together, it's more equally like I'm a colleague. Uh, for, for, for example, when we're working for insurance companies, um, I'm just working together uh, and, and no one notices that I'm the CEO. That must be a nice feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so um, tell me a little bit about... Um, um, about your history before this whole mental care group started. Um, I'm, I'm curious to, to learn, um, well, can you take me back to yeah, that time? Yeah, of course. Um, from originally, I'm a, a nurse practitioner in psychiatry. Uh, so I work with uh, psychiatric patients in all kinds of forms and institutes and in, uh, acute psychiatry. So as a background, I was uh, yeah, a caretaker. And, and I worked in large organizations and, and, and I had to deal with all kinds of structures and, 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 well, things you don't really get happy uh, as a professional. So there was a lot of frustration actually about bureaucracy, about um, you know, getting things done in a really slow way. Uh, decisions had to wait until management had, uh, had their approval, of course. So yeah, that was not a time that was really fun of organizational work. But then um, I was asked to, to to get into the management. Um, I did an MBA, so I'm traditionally schooled as <laughs> in the traditional management administration business. Um, but I, not, I was not really happy in this big organization. So I started my own company with a colleague. Um, we started from scratch. So I, I, I resigned and um, we started small practices, uh, first in Rotterdam, Hoofdorp, a few other places in, in the Netherlands. Uh, we acquired some, some psychologists and we just started. And we were rather successful because people like our informal way of working. And um, even the GPs who, who refers people to us, they were really happy about our way of working. 
And so we started building a few practices, about five we had, 50 uh, psychologists in on the payroll. And then we decided to merge with Mental Beter, who had already uh, a network in the Netherlands and they had good contracts with the insurance companies. So they were an attractive party for us to merge with. And in that period, um, the founders of Mental Beter, who were also psychologists, they decided to stop in, in this organizational work. So I stepped in with my colleague and we started to build Mental Beter on, on a, on a, well, um, a scale that, isn't, that I could not then, at that time, I could not imagine that we were, would have a thousand employees. That was maybe a dream, but no, far away in that time. So you, you say that you, from the start, already organized a little bit differently than, than yeah. uh, other healthcare organizations. Yeah. In what way were you different? And, and Well, we believed in um, small teams, or 12 is already a maximum. So we build the organization like cells, small cells throughout the country, who were connected, who had intervision, who had connection on how we treat people. So the health paths and, and the protocols we, we used, they were all shared. So the quality was something we all uh, did together, but the, the, the local cells were working as an autonomous team. So that's how we started actually, as a chain of teams throughout the country. First small, four or five, and we build it up. And uh, actually the connection between the people and the commitment to quality, to patients, that was, was, was bounded us. That was the connection between us and, and inspired us to move on. So it's quite different um, drive, actually, than the traditional healthcare organizations. That's right. Mm -hmm. So then uh, at some point you uh, decided to look into holacracy. Yeah. Where did that need come from? Well, there was a lot of change in healthcare system in the Netherlands. That was about 2015. And um, we saw that there was a lot of... Um, change around the teams and we were all studying about how can we deal with all, all, all the, the changing rules, all the changing uh, way of working in healthcare. Uh, we were already then w with about 200 people. We already had a central organization as a shared service center. So we were looking for ways to, to adapt to new circumstances. And then we read uh, about Frederick Laloux's book, uh, Reinventing uh, Organizations, and we were really enthusiastic about it, we were really inspired to, oh, wow, that would be great if we could change a model that's already fitting with the cell uh, way of working we already had. And then um, we decided to look deeper into holacracy. But before we did that, we had a kind of adventure talking to the teams about uh, the why. Why do we want an, another system? Why, why are you coming to your work every day? What is your what what is your heart beat for? What what does you drive you to your to your work every day? We had good sessions about that, and also the focus on solutions instead of problems, because in 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 healthcare a lot of problems, of course, daily <laughs> <laughs> patients come with their problems, and uh, the, you could say the danger is to focus on the things that are always difficult or well, not successful. And we made a change to let's focus on solutions, not only in our, in our organization, but also in the way we treat people. You can focus on the things uh, people suffer from, but on the other hand, there are things people are successful in or have their strength. And we, we made that change as well in treatment and in our organizational work. 
So it was a parallel pro process actually. And that gave a lot of energy. And then the next step was how, how can we find an, a framework, an organizational structure or a governance model, whatever you want to call it, that fits with this vision. So that's where, how we found Holacracy and had a training from Brian Robertson himself, who is quite frequently in Amsterdam. So we went there with a whole group of, of people and, and yeah, we were inspired to do this and, and to roll out Holacracy in, in, in Mental Beta. Wow. Um, so how did that go for you? <laughs> it's not always um, 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 one... Like, it's not always like one a smooth road no, <laughs> once no, you no. decide to implement holacracy. <laughs> so yeah, was, how did you start? How did that transition uh, start? Actually, it was really uh, it was an, an, an adventure. It was discovery. It was difficult um, because at, at the beginning, holacracy was kind of um, yeah. How do you say that um, rigid system when you first meet it? It's really logical. It's fitting a lot of um, uh, challenges in your organization, but it's not fulfilling your total need of an organizational structure. So we were looking for a way to to make this work for for our organization, for mental health care workers. And we started um, um, with with a company who trained us in holacracy system, and they were quite rigid in their way of training. Um, Cutting people off in their in their speech, of course, and, and well, training them in the rules of holacracy, which 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 was not really fun. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so th th there was some frustration. So we changed into another way of of um, adapting holacracy in mental beta, and we found our way in that direction. We we, we really did find a way to train our people to work in in their tactical meetings and and. Yeah, then we got the, f the flow. And in what way was that different from the rigid approach that you first tried? Uh, a bit more loose, uh, a bit more flexible. Uh, for example, uh, we found a solution where, um, where all the replings are connected together in a circle together with the um, work council. Work council. Mm. Uh, because f from government side and 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 institutes, they uh, you you are obliged to have a work council with this number of, of uh, employees. So we were looking for a way to ha to have the energy flowing in the organization from the teams to other circles. So we we, we structured um, an, a, a work council circle, and the replings are connected with that circle. So all the tensions from the teams will go there and they can find a way to, to deal with these uh, tensions. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's um, maybe not everybody, everybody uh, is familiar with the In Holland, it's, it's, um, it's a, a mandatory thing that you need to have if your yeah. company is over a certain size. In Dutch it's called Ondernemingsraad uh, or OR. And I know a lot of companies have struggled with this uh, who have implemented Holacracy or another uh, self-managed uh, structure. So. And that's 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 interesting. Yeah, and it really works well because there is a way now that we um, we can deal with all the uh, all, all the tensions that that people are, are in the teams are, are dealing with, and uh, at the same time we are um, uh, compliant to, to the demands from the outside world. Yeah. So w when was that? When when did you start um, this whole transition, this implementation of holacracy? Well, the training uh, with Brian I told you about is, was in 2016. 
And in 17 and 18, we had a rollout. And uh, at the end of uh, 18, we were at 600 people who were trained in holacracy. We did that together with a company who trained us uh, like five sessions of training in tactical and government meetings, have all the roles worked out. And then the teams were working by themselves in self-organization. And sometimes they had a little extra training or coaching on the job. Uh, we have, for example, we have continuously um, facilitated trainings or lead link trainings. Uh, and uh, well, we help them along the way. But uh, most teams who are now working in holacracy are quite independent in the way they work with, with their patients. So what are some of the, um, the, 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 the effects that you've noticed uh, from, from Holacracy? I mean, I've, I've read that your revenue has doubled between 2015 and 2019 from uh, 23.5 million to 55 million. Um, w- would you say uh, you can contribute that to your organizational change to Holacracy? Well, there's a lot to say about that. Um, we did get a lot of uh, new clients referred by the GPs, and we were quite successful in our way of treatment. So more clients came to us, and we were successful in finding new therapists who were willing to work with us. And I think this is a connection to holacracy. Uh, when you compare our, our organization with the traditional mental health care organizations, quite a different culture, quite a different way of management much more freedom in our uh, our company, much more independency, much more autonomy. And that gives joy to the workers. This is a lot of uh, freedom they feel when they work uh, with Mental Beta. On the other hand, there were challenges as well. Uh, (laughs) Tell me about those. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We saw a lot of new roles coming up. For example, a role like Vitality in in a team, which which is wonderful. But if you spend four hours a week on a role of vitality, uh, you're not uh, able to use these hours to be uh, declarable, right? to be productive in a way that your hours are paid. So at some teams we saw that the, um, well, the registration went down and a lot of fun in the teams, but it, it, it cost some results. So we had to talk with the teams about declarability about uh, revenue, about hours, about... Yeah, this was a discussion we had with the teams. And they see they saw the need to, well, uh, to be more productive in a way that, that, that their loans can be paid, of course. Mm-hmm. And this was in, in 2018 and also in 19. we had to work on this. This was a challenge. The new teams we trained after this discovery, um, we, we had a, a bit tighter framework. In what way was it tighter? Tighter in a way that we we we, um, we said that the roles are connected to an amount of hours a week. So a kind of policy, you could say. That some roles were uh, like two hours a week maximum. So in this way, we, ha- we made policies in holacracy to, um, yeah, to, to bring back the, the, the enormous amount of hours that were leaking away. Right. Yeah. And we are successful now in the, in the balance between autonomy on one hand and alignment on the other hand. It's still a challenge, but we're in, I could say at this moment I see was more successful than at the beginning. That, that it was more open. <laughs> you could say there was more space for the workers, but then if your results go down, uh, there's a risk uh, for the whole company. 
And uh, there's also a challenge with company we, we acquired. Last year we had a takeover of a company with 300 uh, uh, psychologists who work with children. And that was quite an, a, 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 a challenge as well, quite an adventure. Uh, they were working in an organization what was really hierarchic, um, a culture of um, a bit of fear, a bit of waiting until management had their approvals. And then we took the, the, we took over the company and they had to yeah, get used to a new way in, 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 in working with democracy. We're in the middle of that at the moment. And I still can't believe this is real. <laughs> I still can't believe that they make their own decisions. Like, for example, uh, um, uh, a new colleague or uh, um, making decisions um, at their own without management approving this. And uh, we see the, the need to, to train them, to coach them, to give them more comfort in this way of working. It's quite a different culture. So it, that, that sounds like a, a big change if you um, acquire a company that's... that's yeah unfamiliar with holacracy completely used to a traditional hierarchy and then all of a sudden they become part of this larger uh, um, piece that is working uh, yeah. in a holocratic way so w what are things that you see people struggle with and, yeah, and for, what way do you help yeah, them at first of course there was management when we bought this company um, the management was still there so we had to, to say goodbye to a lot of managers we did so they, they left the company that was a big decision at first. Then we started working with the teams who had still their team leaders in the traditional way, and talking to them as a group. How can we make the transition from your uh, team lead uh, position to um, roles like uh, lead link or um, business operational role or other roles that could fit in Holacracy with the work you do? So we make a transformation from the from the team management to roles in, in holacracy. At first they were really scared for their jobs because they saw the higher management already going home. Um, they were not sure if they would like it or not. But uh, after a few months they start to believe that this new way of working could even be uh, more fun. They talked to the colleagues of Mental Beter already. They saw that it works with another company uh, close by, yeah, Mental Beter. And well, they kept slowly, they're getting confidence and, and have the basics now to, to move on in this process. We just started with the what was called the management team, of course, and changed that into a circle with roles. So we have that in place now. And the next step is to train the teams uh, in, in um, holacracy, um, government meetings, tactical meetings, uh, making the roles of all the teams in order. And we do that uh, again with uh, with um, on purpose. Uh, it's a training company in the Netherlands. We really know us well now, and and I see the importance of that. That there is a good fit between the coaches and the trainers who come to the teams, and the way we look at holacracy and and make it f work for for our organization. So yeah, I'm actually quite hopeful that in in the next half year, we have these 300 new colleagues trained in holacracy and have it working again. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, impressive. Um, so would you say that um, you would you advise companies to, to get external help to train yeah, in democracy? Yeah, absolutely. Instead of doing that internally? 
Yeah, in the end, you will do. You will have to do it internally. I think that's what we do as well. But at first, you need extra help to to scale up to to set out an, a, a, a process of training to get more experienced in how you want to maintain holacracy, how you want to build it into your company, and and you need some people who you can you can talk to who can who are not already in the process, but but from external. Yeah, they help us. Uh, they helped us really well. Now, I've read an article um, about technology being um, a very powerful driver in the treatment of mental health issues. And in mm-hmm. the article, you mentioned that um, database-based thinking is is really in your DNA. Absolutely. Um, now, even though this refers mostly to um, using t- technology within healthcare, I'm curious in what way this affected or played a role um, into your transition to to holacracy yeah well first uh, of all uh, all our therapists work in a few um, systems IT systems for their daily work so they have a, a record for the, for the medical uh, data they have a record for their uh, client support and they have a record for um, their uh, dashboards that can see their caseload management items, uh, their client satisfaction rates, etc. these kind of data. So all our therapists are used to working with these systems and we give them daily feedback on client satisfaction, outcome data from the treatment. We have measurement during the treatment if a patient gets well. So we reflect that to, to their daily dashboards. So this is a very important uh, way of working because then you have the mirror, you have your metrics uh, as an individual. At the same time, we have when we have tactical meeting, we have the metrics on the screen for the whole team. So how is the team doing in client satisfaction, uh, outcome of treatment, financial results, uh, being a healthy team. This is very important and we discovered with training new teams, you have to have your metrics in order to have your self-organization working. If you don't have the metrics, if you don't have the mirror for people, they, they don't know how, how to work uh, by yourself. Self-organization is not, not really possible in my point of view. Or on, you could say it is possible, but you don't know what you're doing. You're working in the dark. <laughs> so would you say that um, data-driven working is, is like one of the prerequisites? That yeah, you I would need say that. To, yeah, hmm, I would say that. Yeah. yeah. Being a data-driven company, do you have any data about um, before and after holacracy? So before and after the change, and maybe in terms of productivity or happiness or yeah, engagement, pro- yeah, what, what pro- kind of change that you see? Productivity, I already uh, talked about that. It was getting down in the first year, and um, we, reco- we restore that now. So we're now on track again. So the working hours of people um, who are productive and, and, and de- declarable is now in order. So we, we restore that balance. Um, the employee satisfaction rate has really gone up. Yeah, a few points. And we also measured the well-being of our people. And before Holography, we did not have that measurement. So I don't really have an, a, 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 a number from, from that time. But, but now we measure it every year. And we see that the well-being is, is far uh, above the average in Holland. People are doing well in this system. They feel well, which is really important for our kind of work, of course. If you work with psychiatric patients or with um, psychological uh, problems, and it's very important that the therapist you have 
is is well. <laughs> He's not having troubles himself or stressed. I can imagine so that you don't want your therapist to have a mental breakdown. Yeah, right, 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. Actually, so the culture is really important mm-hmm. to it supports actually our, our our work with clients. Very interesting. Now um, you say that your your teams consist of no more than twelve to fifteen people, mm-hmm. but you're an organization of a thousand people in total. That's a lot of teams. So yes, a lot of teams, a lot how, of circles. Yes. <laughs> how do you how do you make sure that all these teams are still aligned? And I heard you say yeah. something already, but uh, with a balance between autonomous teams and also central centralized processes and policies, I, yeah. I feel like that's that's something that mm, becomes more difficult when you scale up yeah. and become larger. So how do you yeah. how do you deal with that, with that we language. had our uh, challenges on this point um, well the the treatment itself and intervision about how you treat clients so the quality of our work is a binding thing between the teams and the individual professionals they love to talk about that together they love to align on the way we work with clients the outcome the, the patient satisfaction rates these are all items they love to to talk to with their colleagues so this is an important well inspirational issue between the teams and um, on the other hand we have this metrics I told you about um, and, and, and to have these metrics we had uh, protocols throughout all the teams so the way the agenda is being filled or the definition of productivity or all kind of more business uh, process items we made a policy for the whole company throughout the teams so we have a few lines that, that, that are, if you work in, in, in Groningen, in, in the north of Holland or in the south, it's equal. On the other hand, the way you work together in your team, that's something you do together as a team. And you're quite free to arrange that with your colleagues. So this is the autonomy on one hand and alignment on the other hand. But yeah, we had a team, for example, that was really was was kind of turning the back to the organization and and, and being more autonomous than than actually <laughs> what was really desired for the, for the organization. So they went they went more their own their own way, you could say. And and we had to talk to them and and and, and get more the alignment again and and um, help them with some items they struggled with, for example, finding new colleagues. So giving service to the teams or providing them with, with stuff they need is helping as well for the alignment. Yeah. So to round up maybe, because we've talked about so many things already, um, um, to round up this, uh, this episode, one last question. Um, what is one thing that you wish you'd known before you started on this journey? <laughs> well, um, well, the framework actually, thinking about the framework you're going to implement. We, we, we started totally open as an adventure. And now I would say if you scale up, you have to have your framework in order, the metrics in order. So there are a few conditions that you should work on before, before you start this, this, doing this. And the why is, is, is one of them. To talk about the why, very important. If you do not, if you're not connected to the heart of the people, you're doing something with a system, and that's not really what it is. It's about people. It's about culture. It's about future. Well, that's that's beautiful to end with. Thank you so much for today. You're welcome. That's it for this week's podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll be back next week.